Simple Beep, episode 20, Adium. Hello, and welcome to Simple Beep, a podcast looking back at the history of Apple and the Mac community. I'm Ed Cormany. And I'm Brian Satorius. This episode, we're going to look at just a single application, and it's going to be, I realized after I had selected the topic, it's going to be our first app topic that is actually an app that didn't ever run on the classic Mac, but still has quite a history. So today we're going to talk about the originally AOL instant messaging client, Adium, and then its later incarnations as a real Swiss army knife for slinging messages around the internet. But before we get to that, we do have some follow-up from previous episodes. Yes, uh, we'll address follow-up concerning icons from a couple episodes ago. First, a couple listeners wrote to us on Twitter to uh, show us the theory about the new iTunes desktop icon, which we said is a, is a semi-rainbow. It's got a, a mix of colors. Since iTunes itself still comprises a whole bunch of functionality, like music playing and video playing and podcast playing, there's a theory that the new icon represents the colors of these respective functions within it. So the red at the top of the icon is uh, representing the red of the old music.app icon on iOS and the previous desktop iTunes icon. The purple in the lower left represents podcasts and the light blue in the lower right represents video. Uh, Of course, this is neither confirmed nor explicitly denied, but it's a very strong theory nonetheless. I would buy the theory except for the fact that the icon on iOS has the same color palette. So it doesn't have the extra little color wheel ring around the outside because on the desktop it's a round icon and on iOS it is, of course, a round rect because that is the way that all things must be. But on iOS we still have the separate podcast and video apps, which are the alleged inspirations. So... It's an interesting idea. I think that it's just this general media color palette that Apple has settled on. So I think that's totally a valid way to look at it. I mean, you see some of those same colors if you look at, say, the Apple TV menu. Once it got its redesign with, what are they on? I think either version 6 or 7 of the Apple TV software. I think it's version 6. And they gave it a slightly more flat look, not all the way iOS 7-ified, and sort of changed the color palette there and had that sort of hot red color like was the old music icon, old iTunes icon, and similar things for that top row, the unchangeable top row on Apple TV. You can't hide those channels. No, you cannot. So I think it's just that, like... Like any good brand, really, Apple has established a color palette for its media properties, and iTunes totally fits in. And some more icon follow-up. We talked about one particular tool that icon artists could use once they became 32-bit in color, and you could no longer use just ResEdit, and that was Clip to Ickens. And a friend of the show, Phil Dokas, reminded us that there were more tools than just that. Uh, One actually from the same man behind clip to Ickens, and it was a tool called iconographer that was more of a full uh app with both the creation of the media and the 
kind of packaging into different icon sizes and resolutions. There was also some software called Icon Machine, and this was made by David Catmull, son of Ed Catmull, who is president of Pixar. It's nice to see that that whole world is (laughs) still connected. And finally, a Photoshop plugin called Icon Builder. The creme de la creme. Yeah. Uh, from none other than the Icon Factory, who we also talked about a lot in that episode. And uh, it looks like Icon Builder uh, will no longer work with today's version of Photoshop, but if you're sticking around with version, I think they said CS 5.5, and you have 79 bucks burning a hole in your pocket, it's good to go. Yeah, I'm still kind of surprised that it's on the market for $80 in today's world of race-to-the-bottom app pricing. Need to make some beautiful OS X icons? Get out there, get Icon Builder. I think there may also be, for OS X icons, uh, tools built into Xcode at this point. Oh, yeah, good point. And then uh, Phil also sent us uh, something hearkening back to our 10 Fun Utilities episode. There is a version of the old Eyeballs extension uh, that's just a little bit of JavaScript that you can drop into your web page wherever, and it'll... Uh, add the the classic black and white eyeballs, uh, no fancy customization, but just the the two eyeballs that will follow your cursor. We'll put links to all of these in the show notes. Yeah, as, go especially check out the eyeballs one when you're back at your desktop Mac, because one of the nice things about that page is that it's not just that simple code, but it's mocked up completely in a old black and white classic Mac view with uh, with Chicago font and the little error icon, and it really does give the full experience. And if you actually activate it, for some reason, to demo it, instead of showing just one of them, there are hundreds of them (laughs) that follow your cursors. Yeah. Neat neat little visual effect. And of course, you can't experience the demo on a touch device because you need a, a cursor present for it to follow. So definitely check that out on your desktop. Okay, so let's move on to our topic, which as I say it, is adium. How do you say it, Brian? I always said adium. (laughs) So this is a little point of contention for this very popular Mac messaging application. And so the name is spelled A-D-I-U-M. And if you're an English speaker, there are definitely more than one way that you could pronounce that. And the original creator of the application was Adam Iser, and there's some hint of the fact that perhaps his name is part of it, but maybe not, because as he pronounced it, he said it your way, Brian, he said adium, Mm -hmm. but even pretty early on in the project, there were other lead developers who pronounced it adium, and it's always been a bit of a split, and they've kind of said It's your personal preference. So you'll hear us say it both ways for this entire episode. We're not going to try to standardize. (laughs) And that sort of fits with the overall aesthetic of Adium, which was really, really heavy on customization. Yes, it could be whatever you wanted it to be. And not just the interface, but like what you wanted to accomplish, what protocols you wanted to connect to within it. But... Adium had some humble origins, and it was coming from a time when there was really one great way to communicate 
with other people on the internet through the desktop. And that was AOL Instant Messenger. And we covered this a little bit in our early days of the internet episode. Uh, I certainly used the official AOL clients uh, initially through AOL itself. And then once we had DSL and didn't need to connect through America Online, the standalone first party AIM client. And the AIM client for Classic Mac was really excellent. And I certainly lived in that app. The way that uh, you know, today someone might say, oh, like I, I swear by my Twitter client for various types of communication or for work today. I live in Slack. Like I need that. That's the, the way that words get in and out of my computer. That was how I used the AIM client. And you said that you got DSL. And I remember even using the standalone AIM client over AOL dial-up because they had built a superior app that was standalone compared to what was ostensibly their primary product. There are a couple oral histories about the team within AOL that developed AIM that we might touch on later, but uh, suffice to say, they're worth reading if you just Google the history of, of AIM because it sounds like it was really like a, a skunkworks team within AOL that was doing things their way, which often turned out to be the better way. Except for in terms of security, because it was all hacks on top of hacks and everything was in the clear, but that was because no one had really thought about the fact that that could be a serious problem. Anyway, there was a standalone AIM client and it was great on the classic Mac OS. And then we upgraded to OS X. We entered that bright, beautiful aqua world. And there was nothing. Yeah. It took AOL slash AIM within AOL a long time to deliver a native OS X version. So you didn't have to boot into classic for it. And the, the first release was terrible. It was, uh, it was slow it it was uh it was buggy and it like even in the world of pinstripes and translucent blue bubbles i remember it seeming very garish and that was before you even accounted for the fact that there were big animated gif banner ads in there which were not present at all in the classic version right so it was it was a really a bummer to use and just to confirm this if you look at the mac update page for the OS 10 version of the AIM client, it has a one-star rating with 47 reviews, which means that that is not an outlier. <laughs> so what was the solution to this? You know, I, I remember that basically the only tenable solution was to use Classic. And like I said, we were using AIM at such a heavy rate. It was it was for work collaboration. It was for socializing. It was for all communication needs. It's for file transfers. Oh, yeah. It even did support file transfers at that point. Although I certainly used that to a lesser extent. Uh, but yeah, where you might not even be able to email a file to someone. You know, imagine this is around 2000, 2001, that if probably email clients would reject attachments over one megabyte, certainly over five megabytes. So if you had to do a direct file transfer, AIM was actually a good solution because it would allow some larger files. But it really just, 
it for a while it was non-existent on the Mac on the on OS 10. So what were we to do? Well, Adam Iser at that point decided that the only thing to do was to write a new client for AOL Instant Messenger. Now, like you said, Brian, this whole protocol underlying AIM was proprietary, but kind of a skunkworks rebel team within AOL. And again, not really totally focused on business model or security or anything. And there was a lot of documentation about the servers and the protocol that AIM used for all of its various features. And this was just sort of freely available on the web. So there wasn't, it wasn't like there was a published API like we think of for services today, like Twitter, where you have to conform to the API and you sign up for a developer key and all of your things are authenticated through that. No, it was just like, um, yeah, the AOL server is over here. This is the port that you connect to. And we didn't really write an API, but this is how you send and receive messages and all the other functions. And that's basically the underpinnings that Adium was first developed on. And Adium had some interesting taglines that I think were appropriate at the time. So one of them was, Adium is a fresh breath of air into the long, stagnant world of AIM. And so I think that really refers to long, stagnant on the Mac, especially on OS X. Whereas the actual feature set of AIM as a client app on classic Mac and on Windows, where of course it was still undergoing uh, significant development, even at that time, was I, I think it was pretty robust. They knew that they were the biggest messaging platform, and they knew that they had the set of features that was common parlance and most interesting to people. So you had the buddy list, which was where you added people, and you could see whether they came or went online, offline, still in that mode of you may not be online all the time. Uh, and then... Also, if you were online, something that you know, once we had always on internet connections, you may still not be at your computer. So there was idle status. It, it would actually keep track of whether your system went idle and show how long you had been idle for. And you could also, of course, set away messages, which were little status updates uh, that said why you were not there. And then later, people realized that you could say why you were not there, but still be there. <laughs> and that also varied from client to client, whether if the moment that you sent a message, you were no longer away. Um, so there are all these features that were slowly integrated into Adium. So Adium was released as a 1.0 with an interesting quirk that identified it, which was that its icon designed for being in the OS X dock at the bottom of the screen was a brown and yellow, very sketchy looking duck walking across a little patch of grass. Uh, you know, we mentioned icon design at the top of this show. And I remember we said 
in our icon design show that once we got to OS 10, we felt like we didn't really have the chops to make icons anymore. Yeah. This looks like that. Yeah. <laughs> this looks like someone who is really interested in the coding aspect of their project and then just needed a non-generic app icon at the end. So at this point, Adium was extremely lightweight. And that was one of the things that uh, it was prized for, that uh, the official first-party client when it finally came for OS X was, in addition to being basically adware, a huge piece of bloatware as well, and really didn't seem like the thing to have, especially when many people were still transitioning from dial-up connections. Oh, you want the latest version of AIM? Well, that's a 20 meg download over dial-up. No thanks. And so I remember using Adium when I first started. Um, it was well under one megabyte for the entire application bundle, which was pretty impressive. But on the other hand, it was an app for manipulating text. So that was kind of to be expected. Uh, the last release of the initial development cycle of Adium, which was version 1.6.2c, when version numbers mattered, uh, was a 1.3 megabyte download. So it kept that, and probably what, like a third of that was the app icon. <laughs> but what it lacked in graphical complexity, it gained in text-based customizability and complexity. So another one of the famous taglines is, Adium's preferences can only be described as insane. Uh, so it says, you're in complete control of colors, formatting, fonts, flashing, display, sounds, bouncing, and timing. And by bouncing, it means dock bouncing. Another hallmark feature is that you could have one window with tabs for various conversations with different uh, buddies from your buddy list, not a separate window for each conversation. And this was this was huge. Uh, think about your browsing habits. Like, do you browse with a million different Google Chrome windows, or are they a bunch of tabs in one window? Are you John Syracuse, or are you the rest of us? And uh, to have this in your instant message conversations, where, like Ed said, a lot of us lived really cut down on window clutter, and it was something no one else had. Now, actually. Because you mentioned it, I was the John Syracuse of Adium window management because, um, as as John has described on many podcasts, the way that he handles his zillion and one Safari windows is that each window has a maybe a handful of tabs that are all on a theme, right? <laughs> yeah. So they're grouped together on a theme, and you you and when you're done with them, you close the whole window, right? Yeah. So I actually was in favor of doing the same thing with Adium. And so if you recall, in a buddy list in AIM, you, it was not just a straight list. You could, um, you could sort it manually as you wanted, and you could also add groups, which was useful to say, you know, my friends from school, the people who are working on this project, uh, people I only know from the internet, etc., and so what I tended to do once I got my hands on tabbed windows, instead of having 15 windows open and just having to sort of click and drag, and uh, and I remember on Classic Mac, I would leave a one-pixel border along the left and line all of my AIM windows 
all the way flush to the left. So I would click into this like sort of invisible region to activate AIM windows. What's that called? Is that Fitz Law? Where it's easier to... Hit things on the edge, yeah. That's why the menu bar is at the top on the Mac. And people who really swore by that hated the Windows menu bar, which was not in a fixed position because it's relative to the window. Right. Anyway, but once I got my hand on the tabs in Adium, it wasn't all or nothing. You could, just like browser tabs today, you can have multiple windows, some with multiple tabs. And I would sort of always drag around my tabs so that people who are in the same group were in a single window, and then maybe I would have two or three windows instead of ten. And my my one lasting contribution to Adium was that I made a feature request for a preference to automatically group win- tabs into Windows by buddy group, and they implemented it. And it's still a checkbox in Adium preferences to this day. That's really cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So it, th- that was another th- great thing about Adium was that since it was building up from basically nothing and with a real mind towards like power user and customization and also had a pretty good online community was that all of this stuff sort of had an opportunity to really cater to users. And you could even get a feature in there, even if you weren't a coder. And uh, later on in its history, Adium went open source. So if you were if you were willing to dig into some pretty gnarly code later on, way more than a megabyte of code these days, um, you could build things yourself. One of the other major customizations and identifying features of Adium was its sounds. So it was a duck, <laughs> walked like a duck, quacked like a duck, actually quacked like a duck. Um, because the default sound set, as it was called, had these very duck-like <laughs> quacking, honking sounds. And these were set for things like buddies signing on, buddies signing off, and in fact, every message that you sent or received. And I had this sort of in the back of my head that I was convinced, but I think this is just some sort of weird bias that I had. I was convinced that the quacking duck sounds from Adium were an inspiration in some way for the current iMessage sounds. The sort of whooping iMessage sounds for sending and receiving messages um, that, you know, you can just be like in a Starbucks somewhere and someone's got their phone (laughs) not on silent and you hear, oh. (laughs) But now that I listen back to them, I realize I hadn't listened to the default Adium sounds in a long time. (laughs) And other than the fact that it's sort of like rising pitch, falling pitch, they're they're way more duck-like, and the Apple ones are way more abstract. But the thing was that, um, because it was so big on customization, uh, you could switch sound sets. And for a while, it shipped with a sound set that was a copy of the AOL Instant Messenger uh, sound set until AOL got upset about that. <laughs> And said, um, you know those sounds, we actually created those and own copyright on them. And so they were removed and various contraband 
AIM copy sound sets circulated both on the official Adium Extras site and elsewhere. And there were some other original ones, though, that were pretty pretty iconic. So there was one called Tokyo Train Station, which I think was a third-party sound set that then got rolled into the defaults. And it's supposed to be based on the little like announcement sounds in Japanese trains. I don't know how close they are or not, but they're these just very pleasing arpeggio sounds. And because I was in college at the time, I was basically a freshman in college when I really started heavily using Adium and had my own computer that was exclusively running OS X, so I didn't really have much of an option otherwise. Um, one of the sounds that came out, another copyright infringer, was there was a Super Mario Brothers sound set. And basically every time that someone sent me a message, it sounded like I got a coin in Mario. <laughs> and uh, Buddy's signing off was going down a pipe. <laughs> so the initial release had all these great features, but uh, it didn't cover everything that you wanted to see in a full-featured instant message client. And like Ed said, uh, AIM had paved the way with certain things that ADM didn't have from the get-go. Yeah, so there were basic things like you couldn't go idle. So ADM just didn't have the ability to track whether your system was completely idle. And that eventually got added. And one other thing that, oh man, this one takes me back, was it was a big deal that you couldn't see the time when somebody signed on. And this seems just like completely irrelevant in 2015. But this was a big deal. You wanted to see when someone sat down to their computer and logged on to AIM and whether they had been there for, you know, maybe if they just logged on two minutes ago, it would be a good time to catch them. Whereas if it was you know, two hours ago, you didn't know whether they were really paying attention or not. So Adium went through uh, some significant development at this time. I, I think before uh, the next major release of Adium, additional developers signed on. It was still closed source at this point. Um, but there was this community, there were people who were contributing to the project, and there was this, in the background, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily legal trouble, I don't think there were any lawsuits being handed back and forth, but th there was some tension with AOL. So in one of the latest releases of Adium 1, there was a reference in the change log that says, we removed all mentions of AIM. Like, we, we removed the name AIM, we removed the sounds, removed anything that says AOL. So they kind of knew that if they went on this path where they were just directly connecting to these AIM servers, these toc.oscar.aol.com port something, and you just, boom, and you're in, uh, they knew that that was fragile, and it could break at any moment, and their product would essentially go away. Now, that wasn't a business failure because Adium was always freeware. But at the same time, it was a labor of love and people were relying on it. Uh, not just the creators, but so many other people in the community were relying on it that for the product to just vanish and really vanish, not just become abandoned where if the backend servers didn't work, it was all over. So they needed a plan for version two. And what they realized was that there were similar uh, clients on Linux. 
And one of the most popular ones was called GAME. So that's spelled G-A-I-M, which stood for GTK plus AOL Instant Messenger. So GTK plus is the, uh, I believe it's the framework or I probably got the term wrong there, but it, it's basically the way that the interface was coded up for this Linux instant messaging client. And this later also went through some, I think, maybe actual lawsuits with uh, with AOL. And so the project known as Game became Pigeon, and the library behind it, which was called LibGame, was renamed to LibPurple. And the Adium team decided that this open-source Linux library had a little bit more strength in numbers, a little bit more robust way of connecting to the AOL backend, and they decided to do a ground-up rewrite of the client. And it was originally called Adium 2.0, but they realized that they had, had to start over so much in terms of reworking it with LibGame that they renamed the product slightly to Adium X. Um, I presume it has to be pronounced X, not 10, <laughs> because it was Adium X version 0.5. And they selected 0.5. It's kind of a more Linuxy version number in many ways. And also because they said that that release, 0.5, was basically a half-finished product. And that they had much work to do to get to 1.0. One of the confusing things about this, though, was that um, because the people who loved Adium were tinkerers, you're always digging in your library folder under application support and installing extras or tweaking settings. And um, I believe to this day, the uh, current version of Adium it keeps that stuff under uh library slash application support slash Adium 2. Oh. Despite the fact that they have still not gotten to a version 2 <laughs> ever. <laughs> so like I said, this sacrificed many features for stability. So there are some significant feature regressions. And I think the worst that affected me was that for a long time with Adium X, you were unable to view away messages, which seems <laughs> this was kind of at the heart of of AIM, especially at this time, two thousand three to two thousand five, in the in the run up to the launch of products like Twitter, and there was sort of this transition between the primary means of communication being real time conversation to being similarly sized, you know, sort of sentence length chunk tweet size communication, but it being asynchronous communication. You know, people can have a real-time conversation on Twitter now because rate limiting is more or less a thing of the past, and you can live stream and you, you get notifications back and forth, but it's not the way that people necessarily expect it to work. People expect to be able to post something and then it's available to be seen. Well, at this time especially... All my friends in college, many of my friends in college, were using AIM for Windows, and 
Of course, away messages were a feature. They had been for years. They didn't suddenly go away one day. But here for me, suddenly they went away. And the only way that I could get them was to actually send someone a message and have it trigger responding their away message to me. But they were using it as a means of communication, and I was, like, missing out. <laughs> that was kind of an odd time to be an Adium user. But there's one other huge feature that came along with LibGame and then some other libraries that got rolled in to Adium. And that was the ability to support more than just AOL's AIM Oscar protocol but uh, some of the other up-and-coming players like MSN Messenger or Yahoo's version of the same thing. And uh, there's a nice side note here where uh, Ed talked about how Adium, Adium itself uh, ran into some trouble saying, like, you know, we were only kind of hacking away at AOL's proprietary protocol. If they shut us off, we're done. Uh, there was a nice little <laughs> arms war between AOL and MSN around this time too, because MSN was the up and comer and they would try to uh, build AIM support into their messenger app. And essentially there, there was a user agent that they had to send when they connected and AOL just started like playing whack-a-mole because they would block the first one that said MSN messenger. And then if they tried to change their name to get around it, they would block it again. And this is all part of like the, the messaging wars that I talked about earlier. Uh, we'll put a link to one account of this in the show notes, but there are a bunch of them. But anyway, if you were on Adium, you could do this. You could talk to your friends who are using AIM. You could talk to your friends who are using MSN. Uh, some of the even like really obscure ones. There's one <laughs> written here that I have never heard of before doing research for this episode called Gadu Gadu. Uh, all these all these protocols for. The real-time communications all fed into one client on your Mac. Even protocols that weren't really primarily intended for messaging. So at one point they had support for Napster messaging, which that is clearly not what it was for. <laughs> yeah. But the major new protocol that they added was Jabber, also known as XMPP. Yeah, this is what underlies Gchat or uh, Google Hangouts if you're fully immersed in that world. And even for a brief period of time, and specifically the time when I worked there, Facebook chat. The entirety of the like rise and fall of Facebook chat on Jabber happened when I was an employee there, and so I got to see the launch of it uh, just on the website, and you know, like the little tab on the bottom, like I think we're all used to today. Uh, but it was only within the Facebook's network and Facebook system, but they made a pledge to, I think, developers, because they were the only people interested in it, that they would uh, transition it over to Jabber. And then while they were working on that, they were trying to get employees to test it out. And uh, Adium was part of the default image for company-issued Macs. So everyone had Adium pre-installed and could, uh, could try to chat with their coworkers on Facebook chat's protocol through Adium. So I got to feel like I was a little bit of a part of uh, <laughs> the making of that. But uh, just a couple months ago, Facebook cut access off and Facebook chat is now back folded within uh, just itself. Can't use Adium for this anymore. Well, it's no surprise. I mean, Facebook even cut themselves off of Facebook chat by spinning out the 
uh, iOS app and saying, oh, you want to send your friends messages? Well, go download a second app. Yeah. The Facebook messaging right. app. Unless you're like me and a weird fuddy-duddy who only accesses Facebook on his phone through the mobile website, which still has everything in one place, but is not efficient. <laughs> one other major thing that denoted the change from the old Adium 1 to the new Adium X with the sub-1 version numbers was the retirement of the old icon. So we actually skipped an icon. The uh, the, the original kind of grungy-looking duck didn't last too long. Uh, the mascot of Adium 1 was an aqua blue pigeon-looking duck. Um, and I think it was supposed to be some sort of messenger bird like a you know like a carrier pigeon or something even though it always got called a duck and made duck sounds uh that was supposed to be the iconography there and it fit very well with early versions of os 10 both in terms of its appearance and color scheme but they went with something new and bold for uh version 2 which then became adium x which is the introduction of a character known as Adiumi, or I suppose Adiumi. I would say. Um, it's just the, the name of the application plus a Y on the end is the name of this character, which is a bright green duck with kind of kind of crazy hair. Yeah, like almost a mohawk. <laughs> yeah, like the, the feathers are sticking out the side of his head, and he's got big, big googly eyes and and a yellow beak. And this was the critter that's going to sit in your dock, and when messages come in, he's going to quack and flap his arms and bounce. And this gave a real interesting visual brand to Adium. I think the the audio brand was already there. People said on the forums that they were easily able to convert their friends to Adium because th their computers would start making quacking sounds. They go, what is that? <laughs> One of the cool things about the Adiumi character is that he's sort of a default plain duck and uh, came in green as the default. And then there were options to add additional color ducks, uh, basically all the colors of the rainbow. And then people in the community started taking the basic template and creating their own characters and costumes on top of the Adiumi template. So Adam Iser, the creator of Adium, had a Adiumi duck with who was wearing lederhosen for I'm not sure what reason. Uh, there was a member of the community, Wes Underwood, who created a lot of the custom variants. He was doing graphic design uh, work and working on these icons. And his was purple with a saxophone. And then... Various people on the Adium development team had their own characters. One of them was Chris Forsyth. He was product manager for that, and he was also one of the original creators of Growl, the notification framework, which we'll mention again in a moment. And his was the Adium duck dressed as the cartoon character, cartoon superhero, the Tick. We'll put a link to the the gallery which is still active, and you can browse the hundreds, maybe even thousands of variants. And of course, you could replace the duck entirely. Right. Uh, iChat had come out around this time, so if you wanted to make it look like you were using a native app, they had the kind of 
uh, Aqua E style speech bubbles, a whole bunch of variants of those. But the one that I used was uh, the ADME duck dressed up as Mr. T with a nice mustache and gold chains. Another derivative of this character was in a later version, they added a menulet for controlling your IMs and getting status updates that way, seeing if you had new messages waiting. And because, as was the custom at the time, all of those menu extras up in the top right corner of the menu bar were all black and white, no color, no grayscale, no nothing. Um, they did basically a silhouette version of the duck. And it turned out that when you did that and blacked out all of the rest of the duck, except for the eyes, it looked really creepy. <laughs> and so this duck got the nickname EMD, which stood for the evil menu duck. <laughs> um, and then I think even that was able to be customized later on and people took evil menu duck even further and gave it like glowing red eyes, pretty much any way that you could want to go. Uh, with customization was available in Adiomex. There were really significant customizations that were available that made this go way beyond what we even dreamed of with that classic Mac AIM first party client that we thought was like the greatest and and so robust. Uh, the biggest thing was the new message themes. So up until this point, there was some customization of fonts and colors and text styles and those sorts of things. And also um, basically what text strings appeared in the message window, whether you wanted timestamps, how accurate of timestamps, whether you wanted people's real names or their screen names or that sort of thing. You could customize all of that. But with Adiomex, you could do full-on CSS-based message themes. And these were actually really accessible to get into. I know that I created a couple of them for myself. I can't remember if they're up on, if I released them on the official extra site. I'll double check for those. And if they were, I'll put them in the show notes. Otherwise, I'll at least put a couple screenshots. Um, so at this time, like I said, I was in college. Uh, I was really into the, uh, the Kill Bill movies. Oh, nice. That came out at that time. So I made a Kill Bill theme that was based on the movie poster and had appropriate uh, coloring. I made one based on one of my favorite bands that nobody has ever heard of. <laughs> um, but then some really interesting stuff got done with these. So it even allowed for... It was basically running a little mini WebKit view. Uh, I, I'm not sure if this was really before or after WebKit per se was a thing, but it was around that time. So each little window was basically a little WebKit view. And this allowed for things like JavaScript smooth scrolling effects. So when every new message came in, it would slide up smoothly instead of just jumping up the window. And this was just not possible in other apps. Uh, and eventually, one of those themes became the default. Uh, it was called the smooth operator theme. I think might still be the default in Adium. So it has that nice pleasing scrolling effect and also had color customization. Uh, you could customize whether the messages alternated sides or all went down one side or the other. And also the contact list. Don't call it a buddy list anymore because there are all those different protocols and buddy list is a AOL thing. 
it was no longer a just Aqua or unified window. So it really gained just people were going nuts creating themes for their messages, for their contact lists, ones that matched each other or complemented each other. And in the contact list, you could either have a regular window or you could have each individual person be a bubble or you could have each group be a bubble. And then the thing that was really interesting that was not a feature anywhere else was you could have inline away messages. So away messages were so important as a form of communication that you would want to see them all the time, not have to mouse over for them or get info on someone for them. You just wanted to see them. Imagine if you had... This would kind of be weird, but imagine if you had a Twitter client where you could have just a list of all your contacts and it would just show what their single most recent tweet was. Like, that's not how Twitter works and that's not how we conceive of it, but that's still kind of an interesting and useful view of that information. And this was just not possible anywhere else. And with you could customize gradients, you could do anything. You know, with CSS, you could put in any custom images that you wanted. Like I said, you know, base it on a movie poster, throw in a huge image, or throw in nice tiling images. And this was like at least as robust as kaleidoscope schemes were. And so the customization community just absolutely took off. Um, and the most popular thread on the Adium forums by far was the screenshot thread. And if you go to the Adium forums now, although the screenshot thread seems kind of dead, um, the last post was sometime last year in 2014, uh, there's still a almost 700 reply thread with 300,000 views, and that's the thread that they started saying, like, here's the archive of the previous seven threads. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, with rules that say, like, if you don't include all this information, we're going to remove your post from the thread. Like, it was a serious customization community. And I actually have a, a screenshot of my customization that somehow stuck around on my computer. I'll put that in show notes as well. And it was a fully custom-designed buddy list view with a slightly tweaked uh, message view. And, of course, to complement it, and it all matches all the same color scheme, a desktop background from Pixel Girl Presents. I don't have a screenshot, unfortunately, but I remember uh, choosing a theme for my buddy list, contact list, excuse me, that had no window chrome. It was like Ed was saying, it was just like individual little bubbles. or I didn't even think it had borders. It was meant to just been the text of who was online. Yeah, you could you could either match it to a plain background color or then later on they added translucency and transparency. So you could drop it down to just 0% opacity and you would just have uh, floating names on your desktop. You'd just have to make sure that the text was high contrast enough. But they let you set things like drop shadows and glows and all of that kind of stuff. So it was it was very possible. Yeah, that's that's what I had going. And I remember for a brief time, I combined it with Panic Software's Statue. I was just going to say, that's a lot like Statue. <laughs> so I had like the weather and I think a, a permanent like big clock, not a menu bar clock, all down the left side of my monitor. So I had like who was online, what temperature it was outside because I was at work and what time it was. And it all kind of like blending into the, the desktop background. 
I think you'll see in the screenshot that I'm going to post, uh, I didn't have Statue, but I definitely had uh, some confabulator widgets on my desktop showing, I think, network usage and weather and even like a radar map of the weather. I also think in that screenshot, I'm not looking at it, but I think it was winter and it was like 12 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit for our international listeners. It was cold. It gets cold in Michigan. Like Ed mentioned, uh, Adium integrated very well with Growl. I think they like developers may have even split time between both projects. I think it, it, it even came bundled. With- yeah, it was uh, Chris Forsyth was the one who was had a hand in both projects. So Everyone knew each other. And yeah, you're right, Brian. Uh, Growl was essentially bundled with Adium. So if you installed Adium, you got Growl. And for those of us who don't remember what Growl was, because we live in an age with, uh, what was it, Mavericks notifications or Notification Center on macOS, uh, it, it was basically that before it was a native part of the system. You could get those banner-style notifications coming in that had rich detail uh, so much more than just a bouncing dock icon. So you could uh, you could look up and see if you had received an instant message, maybe heard one of the duck sounds or Mario sounds, you could see what it was. And if it wasn't important, you could keep working, not have to switch command tab back to ADM. Growl also had that really granular control over notifications. And because they were talking to each other and working with each other, and Growl was kind of designed for ADM, it allowed this really fine control. And I remember that the way that I had it set up was there was a really nice feature that Adium knew whether it was the active application or not, or even the active tab. And so you could say, show me a growl notification of the most recent message, but only if I'm not looking at that window. So if it's at the front and you're just chatting back and forth with someone, it's not going to spit a whole bunch of notifications duplicating, putting the message in the two different places on your screen, because that's silly. Why would you do that? But it also had full support for the one thing that doesn't still exist in, for the most part, uh, in Notification Center in OS X today, which is the sticky notifications in Growl, where... uh, the notification will stay until it's dismissed. I think the only thing that does that in uh, in OS ten are those dang software update ones. Yeah. Remind me in an hour. Um, and I would have that set for the first message from a person. So if I was in the middle of a conversation with a person, it already had a window open for them. Um, if a message appeared and I didn't read it instantly, it would just fade away, but then I would eventually get to it. But if someone was trying to get my attention for the first time, their first message would stay sticky. So even if I like got up to go you know, get a glass of water or something and come back and they had messaged me in the interim, I wouldn't miss the fact that someone knew it was talking to me. Yeah, I actually never used sound alerts in Adium because I grew accustomed to the growl banners. And you could totally fly that way between a combination of growl notifications, um, dock badging, dock bouncing, whatever you liked, whatever suited your workflow, it was totally possible within the app. Uh, To go along with um, multi-protocol support in this ADMX uh, revision, 
They also, in version 0 0.8, uh, introduced meta contacts, which were if you had a buddy, say, on who had an account with AIM, and that same person had an account with Facebook chat, as was the case with me, you didn't have to see two different entries for them in your contact list. You could combine both of their account information credentials into one glorified contact. And this helped out a lot because uh, before Facebook chat launched, we actually used AIM to talk with each other around the office. And when it did launch uh, and we were testing it, obviously there were bugs. And if you, you, so you couldn't depend on the Jabber based Facebook chat for mission critical work, you need a fallback. But I didn't want to have like the person who physically was sitting next to me in my buddy list two times, you know, I could just turn and talk to them probably. But if I wanted to keep chatting for whatever reason, uh, I could still just double click on their name and, and choose the protocol rather than having two separate entries. So it was a, it was kind of a small thing on paper, but it had a big impact. Uh, it certainly made me want to use ADM more, it kept everything clean. It also sort of brought an end to the various protocol wars that were going on because I know that around the time that meta contacts started becoming popular and that I started using them was when a lot of my friends were giving up AIM and going to Google talk and they were sort of on the fence. Maybe they were on one, maybe they were on the other, maybe they were on both at the same time. Um, there was also that weird feature in uh, Google talk where you could integrate your AIM buddy list and sign on to AIM through Gmail in the web browser, which was an official thing. Like they partnered with each other. It wasn't one of these weird backdoor whack-a-mole kind of things. But basically people didn't feel like AIM was the sole place to be anymore. And for that matter, we're starting to get to this point where you could exist in multiple worlds for messaging and still get by and still have everything in a unified place. And so it's interesting that this is the end of the protocol wars, but to me also seems like the sort of beginning of the end of Adium. So I forget exactly at what point, but sometime during the, point, the development of Adium X, uh, it went open source, and there were all these features when they were when they were adding in features that weren't in the official releases yet, and were major features that were missing. Always wanted to have the most up to date version, and you could download the latest source uh, through SVN because this was way, way, way before uh, before Git. <laughs> you could pull that latest source. And then if you had Xcode, which was basically brand new at the time, you could compile the app, which took on the order of like 10 minutes. <laughs> but I did it every day to have the, the latest version. But that's all to say that it's open source and it's still in active development. And people are adding all kinds of peripheral various protocols and trying to add on features and get around, you know, those proprietary things. <laughs> Although you said Facebook has closed off its protocol and apparently it's like the number one requested feature is bring back Facebook. And they're like, guys, we, we can't, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's open source, but we're not magic. 
so there's still an active team. Um, none of the original team, uh, Adam Iser, Zachary West, Chris Forsyth, Evan Schoenberg, none of them are still contributing. They're only uh, at, at best on the sidelines. And then the question is, like, do we need an app like this today? So Adium was one of those like go-to apps for me. Like, sit down at a Mac and doesn't have Adium, like, help. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know you would have it on like a USB stick because you needed it with you at all times. Um, or it would be you know you get a new Mac and it's one of the first things that goes on. It lives in the dock, um, and it was always open. And I think I probably only removed it from my dock about maybe two years ago, but because I realized I was never launching it anymore. So I think probably one of the reasons for this is, like, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get all of those, all of that chat, all of those contacts, and all of those notifications in a single place. And for me, that's my iOS device. Because, yes, today, I think... For many of us, iMessage is dominant. And proprietary. And proprietary. Well, you mentioned iChat, which essentially was just an Apple-branded AIM client in the beginning. Yeah, it was built on that Oscar protocol. But then Apple brought in their own protocol and said, well, of course, this is the default. This is the way to be. Um, and I guess you can still have these old legacy protocols still going even in messages.app today on Yosemite or even El Capitan. But people don't think of it that way. Right. Yeah. There's also like iOS fragmentation, which has, you know, of course, then the people who are Adium diehards want um want their WhatsApp messages to appear in Adium as well. And it's like, guys, no, still. <laughs> or I don't know, do they have support for that? WhatsApp? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's also proprietary. They have basically built in a full-fledged IRC client because, again, you know, the people who love Adium are also the people who are going to still be sticking to IRC. And they've also even built in a more or less full-fledged Twitter client. Right. Yeah. But I feel like many people are like, well, you could use this for Twitter, but if that's what you're going to do, you might as well even just use the Twitter website. Or you could use a really dedicated Twitter client something like Tweetbot, or even more in the vein of uh, Adium Twitterific, which allows for a lot of like theming and customization. Or if you go even beyond that, I used for a while, I used a Twitter app called Yorofukuru. Yeah. Um, which also, by the way, had a bird for its icon. It was an owl, not a duck. Um, and was like completely customizable in that same way. Like I think... I think it scratched the itch of like, I want Adium for Twitter that's really fully functional and let me customize the colors, the fonts, the, everything about it, the way that it notified me with growl notifications and everything. Um, but I think it's a bit of abandonware these days. You mentioned you removed Adium from your doc. Uh, you can recall the time. I stopped using it after I stopped working at Facebook where it was very strongly encouraged for a while. Uh, and so today I think the, like you said, the bulk of my messaging happens in iMessage or through Facebook's 
uh, either on site messages or in their, their, if they force me hard enough, their messenger app and platform uh, with a little bit of work related messaging in Slack. But other than that, that's it. And it is that your iOS device is the place where you can collect all those notifications and have it all happen in real time. It's the new multi-protocol messenger. Right. I don't need a single iOS app to comprise all of those when multitasking and and switching is, is so easy. I feel exactly the same way. Although I do feel still kind of happy that I've kept a bird in my dock. <laughs> I, it, it's a square robotic bird because I use TweetBot. Uh, but I feel like that's one of the legacies of Adium, maybe very, very indirectly and maybe only coincidentally. But I think that we're going to have, especially with you know, the dominance of Twitter, we're always going to have the the little bird as a metaphor for communication messaging software in the future. And I would be sad if someday I had to have an OS 10 doc that didn't have a bird representing my major connection to the outside world. And so that's where we are today with, with messaging. Uh, for a while, it was all in ADM, and now it's spread out over these proprietary platforms. And of course, if you if you feel like this is right for you. This is not an, oh, the past. Many times when we talk about an app, it's like, oh, it was in the past. And if you want to check it out, well, go to the basilisk and have pain. <laughs> um, or just, you know, look at screenshots wistfully. No, Adium is still under active development. So if you think it sounds like the app for you, go check it out. Their current website is adium.im. Uh, they switched from adiumx.com when they were able to get that .im domain name, which is from, I'm not sure what country in the world who allowed them to to take it. It is, oh, it is obviously the top-level domain for the Isle of Man. Of course. <laughs> in the British Isles. So yeah, give Adium a try if it sounds like the right thing for you. And even if it sounds like something that you just want to uh, look at screenshots of or see these cute little Adium-y characters, you can, of course, find all that stuff in our show notes, which you can access at simplebeep.com slash episodes. You can also get in contact with us, though not through any of the instant messenger protocols we've discussed. Except Twitter, which isn't really a messaging instant messenger protocol. But if you do want to talk to us on Twitter, we are at simple underscore beep. And personally, I'm Bisuto, B-S-U-T-O. And I'm E. Cormany, E-C-O-R-M-A-N-Y. If you prefer more long-form asynchronous conversation, there's also a contact page on our website, simplebeep.com. The oldest and most venerable <laughs> form of asynchronous communication, digital communication, the email. It will never go away. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time where we interview Brian Brasher, uh, icon and overall digital artist extraordinaire, most commonly known by his online handle, Ether Brian. Maybe a little bit confusing with two Brians on the show. We'll have to uh, sort that all out. Yeah. We'll see you then.